You can go ahead and grab a seat. As you do, I'd encourage you to uh, grab a copy of Scripture. If you uh, did not bring one with you, that's okay. We've got um, some that you can use. Uh, you'll find one underneath one of the seats in front of you. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, you can feel free to take that home. Uh, that would be our gift to you. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Um, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is uh, Dave Jacobson. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, kind of a fun, exciting week around here. Um, we had um, uh, our new pastor, Pastor uh, Jeff, right here, actually was on the base this morning. He uh, started first kind of official week this week, and so um, you'll be, uh, we'll be, you know, um, doing some more uh, things to introduce and kind of share, and he's going to be preaching here soon, and so yeah, you'll, um, you'll get to know uh, him, but you can just, um, uh, just congratulate him on making it through a whole, you know, whole week, new job. Um, no, super, super excited about uh, Jeff, yeah, um, and, uh, and, and having him on uh, the, the leadership team and uh, pastoral team here, and um, and it was kind of a fun morning around here. As you guys came in, you got um, uh, those those uh, little little sheets, and everyone's kind of on their phones. And uh, thankfully, we got uh, got um, some uh, the lyrics up and running, and, and doing that. The first service did not have that joy, so um, they. Uh, but we hey, we managed. And what we said in the first service is, you know, we're not going to let a little a little technology. Uh, keep us from worshiping Jesus, and uh, technology allowed us to get those lyrics um, put, put on, uh, online and, and get that um, pretty, uh, pretty quickly. Um, but it's amazing uh, some of the things that um, you know, we can get distracted by or, or let um, stand in the way, and um, you know, it, it, it definitely, <laughs> I, I said uh, to somebody, I said, hey, it might be a little different sermon this, this, uh, this time. I was a little scattered the first time, so who knows what's going to happen. You guys um, can, uh, can go back and watch that first service and, and compare, compare notes, but what we're going to do is we are continuing in our series in Acts, so we're calling the series Unstoppable, and we are walking through the book of Acts. It's going to take us, the, not a full year, but um, it's going to take us several months uh, ahead, and um, we're going to take a little pause coming up here um, around uh, Christmas time. We always uh, focus on Advent and, and the coming of Christ and just celebrating and, and remembering that and, and realizing and, and focusing on what that means. But, but here we are, uh, not on the uh, coming of Christ, but the coming of the church. Uh, this is where the church began, right here in the book of Acts. And if you've been with us, we have been um, walking through and seeing, and, and it's been some exciting weeks so far. Um, we uh, saw this a few weeks ago. It was the day of Pentecost when um, uh, the Holy Spirit came upon the church, uh, moved in power, and uh, Peter um, stands up, preaches, and 3,000 people uh, are saved. 3,000 people begin following Jesus, and 3,000 souls are, are saved in this place. And, and then last week, we saw sort of the outworking of that, and we saw what the church is, this church that is now filled with the Spirit and, and, and figuring out how to do life together and walk with Jesus together, and uh, we ended um, with the verse in just kind of above chapter 3 and verse uh, uh, 46 of chapter 2. It says, and day by day, they were attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, and they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. What we're going to see in the passage this morning is uh, a miracle. Uh, Peter and John are going to the temple to pray, and there's a man that is lame, and he is healed. And it's incredible. 
And, and what this is, I think it's kind of helpful to sort of frame up what it is that we're uh, coming to in our study in Acts, is what this is, is uh, sort of unpacking or illustrating, showing what that we just read before, what that actually means, right? They're going to the temple day by day. That's what we see Peter and John doing. They're going there to pray. And it says that many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And here's an example of such wonder and sign. And so we have this, this incredible uh, story um, and so it sort of helps bridge, uh, kind of connect what, what's come before, what's coming next, um, because here's the thing is that we also saw that, that the people were praising God and having favor with all the people. Uh, that favor was pretty short-lived. Uh, what's going to happen is serious opposition is going to come against the church, and uh, a lot of it actually begins and sort of rises from this miracle right here. And so there's opposition coming, and this sort of sets us up for that. But more than just kind of being a connecting passage, what we're going to see here this morning in this passage is this, is that it's going to be a clear illustration for us, a demonstration for us of the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the name above every other name. There is no one that is greater than Jesus Christ. And we are reminded of that in this Incredible story. And so we're calling the sermon this morning, No Greater Name. We're looking at Acts chapter 3. We're beginning in verse chapter or verse 1, rather. And um, I want to read it before we walk our way through it. Let me read it uh, together. It says this, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to uh, enter or go into the temple, um, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. What I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by his right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, and stood, he stood and began uh, to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And recognized him as the one who sat by the beautiful gate at the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray as we get ready to walk, into this, uh, walk through this passage uh, together. Would you just pray with me? Our God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, and we see here... We're going to be reminded here today of your power and of your might and of your presence and of your working. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us um, just a clear picture of the way that you have worked, God, and the way that you're still working today. Would we be reminded of that? Lord, I pray that you would teach us through your word right now, we ask in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You see that uh, when, when Peter responds to him, he, he says these words, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There is no greater name under heaven or earth except for the name of 
Jesus Christ. And what we're going to see is uh, Jesus has come. He's done his ministry. He's ascended to heaven. He has sent the Spirit upon, but Jesus is still very much at work here. And then we're going to see a few ways that Jesus shows his power here. And the first is this, is that we're going to see that the uh, plan of Jesus unfolds perfectly. The plan of Jesus unfolds perfectly. If you're Right, or taking notes, I would encourage you to uh, write that down. Uh, this is the plan of Jesus and has been the plan of Jesus all the while. Let's see what we mean by that. Uh, verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, that is the ninth hour. See, this was uh, typical for uh, the Jewish people to go to the temple to pray. Notice it says the hour of prayer. It was common to go to the temple and pray in the morning and noon and in the afternoon. And so um, here we are uh, for, they're, they're heading to the temple. It's about 3 p.m. going there to pray exactly what they had just said. It said that they were meeting to, in the temple together day by day, that they were praying. And so Peter and John are doing that like they do every other day. I don't know what your routine looks like on a Sunday morning. Uh, some of you probably uh, maybe stop by, um, you know, maybe somewhere for coffee, not like maybe you're just not into the coffee. We have great coffee here, but um, uh, maybe uh, that's like sort of died off. And now that we're like coffee's back and you, you're enjoying our coffee and you're like, oh, I don't need to stop for coffee. Now I have this routine. And so some of you get here and you have this, this routine. They, I'm sure there was like some, some things that were common for them and the ways that they were going and how they were doing it. But this day was a little bit unique. But for this man, it was also just a very normal, ordinary day. Notice what it says here. It says, a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. This was the man's daily routine. Every day, uh, we don't know who, friends or family, pick him up on his mat, carry him down to the temple, and there at the beautiful gate, he had his spot. He had his place. And that's where he would ask for alms. Now, I, I remember, uh, went to school in Chicago, lived downtown in Chicago for um, a little more than four years. And, and there were people uh, in a similar spot. They were um, in a tough place in life, maybe had lost their job, unable to find work, um, needing help. And they would find their spot on, on a particular corner. It was not uncommon. I got to know some of them over, over time because you would pass by a certain street and you'd see that person there and you kind of knew um, you know, who you were going to encounter there. And, and this was this man. He, he went to that, that, that gate every single day and was asking for alms. Alms is just, he's asking for help. He's asking for money, um, you know, people to give. And, and Jesus himself said that we we're to give to those who are in need. And so people were responding and giving. And, and so just like any other day, this man is doing that. But this day is about to change and get a little, um, little interesting. Uh, he said, seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, he asked to receive alms, right? Just like he was with everybody else. Alms for the poor, alms for the poor, right? Give me some alms. You have some alms. I need some help. And Peter and John, seeing him, fixed, it says they fixed their eyes, their gaze at him, both of them. And they said to him to do the same, look at us. At that moment, this man turned and directed his attention toward them and expected to receive something from them. He, wanted, he was expecting some help, right? He had his, had his cup, had his, um, his hand outstretched. Lord, will you, will you give me, you know, what are you going to give me? Uh, what, what, what's going what's, what's to happen? And, and, um, and, and, and the response is, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. See, this was the plan of Jesus all along. It's unfolding here uh, perfectly. 
a normal day for Peter and John, normal day for this man who was lame, um, but everything is about to change. And here's the thing that I think we need to make sure that we don't miss, that we don't miss from this passage because I think it's really helpful for us, is this man had been waiting for Jesus or somebody, right? He's calling on God to move and to work and to change and to act in his situation, right? He had been lame since he was birth, since birth. And every day, asking for help and looking for it. I think the thing to think about, I always like to kind of put myself in the text. The thing to think about is that uh, Peter and John, it says, right, they were daily going to the temple. So this wasn't the first time they'd passed by this man. They had passed by him yesterday, and they had passed by him the day before, and they had passed by him a week before, and they had passed by him probably a month before. They had seen this man before. I mean, he was well known, right? When he goes into the temple, everyone saw this man, and they're like, that's, that's who sits at the, at the beautiful gate. Like, everyone knew who it was. It was the beautiful ba- gate beggar, right? It was, it, it was this, this man. The crazy thing to think about is that Jesus himself had probably passed by this man. Uh, we learn in Acts um, chapter 4, verse 22, that, that he was more than 40 years old. More than 40 years old. So for 40 years, for 40 years, he's been with this. And so it had become a routine. So, so Jesus just, you know, not that long before, year before, two years before, Jesus was there at the temple and he had walked by this very man there asking for alms, asking for help. And here he was in need. So from birth to this time, just waiting. How long, how long had he waited for the Lord? And I don't know, we don't get much indication as to, you know, the state of his heart at this point, right? Was he, was he still patient? Was he, had he, had he grown in his contentment with the Lord and just acknowledged God? I don't know why you've allowed this to happen to me, but you have. And so clearly you're trying to teach me or do something or, or you're going to use this or something's going to come of this Lord. And, and maybe there was a place of contentment or was it still his heart that, Lord, why, why, when, Lord, are you going to use me for something? When are you going to do something with me? And some of you are in this very spot. For years, you have been calling out, asking, searching, waiting. Oh, Lord, when are you going to respond? God, when are you going to do something? I need some help here. And the Lord seemingly does not answer. Again, it's wild to think about the fact that Jesus himself probably walked right by this man. Peter and John walked right by this man. But the plans of Jesus unfold perfectly. Jesus had intended from the day that this man was born, since before time even, that he was going to do something miraculous through a miracle in this man's life that that he was going to demonstrate through this man his power in a way that would be clearly seen. That this, this man who had for 40 years not been able to walk was now able to walk clearly. A miracle had happened here. And I just wonder, you know, we have to be careful again that we don't rush past this. I wonder, I wonder what it would have been like if Jesus would have stopped by one, one of those days as he was passing him by and he knelt down and talked to the man and he said, he said, I want to tell you what's going to happen. In just a couple years, there's going to be a day when two men are going to walk into the temple. And that day, you are going to receive the ability to walk. 
And I know it's really hard right now. And I know you still continue to question and you don't know why this has happened to you. But I'm just telling you, I know it's been a long 38, 39 years. But in two years, God is going to do something incredible with your life. Imagine how different those two years would be, right? The waiting completely changes. Why? Why? Because Jesus could have pulled back the curtain and told him what was going to happen, and, and now he knows. And I wonder if the same is true in our life. If, if there's something that you're waiting on the Lord for, you're, you're seeking God for, maybe it's healing, maybe it's, it's an answer, maybe it's a broken relationship or situation or something, and you're calling, you're waiting on the Lord, and he has yet to answer. Imagine if today he was to just sort of pull back the curtain and and audibly speak to you and say, listen, I know you don't understand this now, but let me tell you what's going to happen as a result of this difficult thing that you are walking through. I have a purpose for it. I have a plan for it. I'm going to use it. And here's how. Imagine if, if God were to do that, how different our waiting would be if we knew. But God oftentimes doesn't choose to do that, right? He leaves that curtain closed. We don't know what he's doing. We can't see the way that he's working. And so what we're left with is to wait and and to hope in faith, believing that God will indeed do something through these things. And I think so many times what the scripture is calling out for us and asking us to do is to um, trust God for the timing. So many times our prayers tend to focus on our timetable versus the direction of what God has called us to do. I've said this before, and you're going to hear this again. But I think so many times, what God has given us is he's given us a clear direction to go. He has not told us how long it's going to take. And oftentimes, the timing that we would have would be far shorter than the timing that the Lord has. Right? Am I right? Am I speaking truth? (laughs) Right? We would like it to happen now. Now, Lord! Why have you not done it yet? God, would you just do it now? That was my prayer this morning as we were dealing with this computer. I was like, Lord, I know you can make the lame walk. I'm preaching about it this morning. Could you make this computer work, right? Can you just like make this thing happen? We're laying hands on it. We're praying over it. We're just asking that God's going to... He chose not to. He chose to wait until uh, the uh, middle of the second song to, to, to allow the computer to work, right? The timing does not always line up with our timing. His timing is not the same. But what he has called us to do, it's very clear. We knew that we weren't going to, oh, computer's not working. We're going to pack up and (laughs) just not worship this morning. We don't have lyrics. What are we going to do? No, we know that we're called to worship the name of Jesus Christ. We're not going to let the the, the lack of lyrics keep us from worshiping together. And so we're going to find a way. We're going to do it. We're going to do this. Why? Because God has called us to this. Direction is clear. And here's the thing for your life that you need to understand is this is that God has given you a calling and a direction. He's called you to trust and to hope and to uh, follow him and his leading and his guiding. And some of you are waiting on his timing for him to respond and to work, and he hasn't answered just yet. And what I would say is this is a reminder that the plans of Jesus unfold perfectly. The plans of Jesus unfold perfectly. I don't know. I don't know why God would have you wait, but I know that he is going to do something with it. And in that waiting, he's growing your faith. He's asking you to trust him. He's asking you to believe that he's present, that he's working. And he doesn't let the trials, the difficulties, the things that we walk through go wasted. He was going to do something incredible through the life of this man. Let's see what uh, happens next. Verse um, 6. It says, but Peter... 
Peter said, I have no silver and gold. And I'm sure at that point, the guy's like, well, why are you wasting my time, right? Keep moving. Maybe these people do. Keep, keep going. But I, what I do have, I give to you. Okay, I'm back. What do you got? You know, what do you, what do you have? And he says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And I don't know how long of a pause. Like, we just have it, you know, written for us, right? It says, and he took him by the right hand and raised him up. I don't know how long it was between speaking those words and then inviting him to raise up and walk, but uh, we do know this, is that he responds in faith and God heals him. Jesus heals him uh, miraculously. And uh, here's, here's the point that I have for you uh, this morning for uh, number two, if you're taking notes, the power of Jesus <laughs> heals powerfully. Right, that, just trying to emphasize the power there. The power of Jesus heals uh, powerfully. He uses the name of Jesus Christ. And I think we have to understand what that means. It's not that there's this like sort of the, the magic word that you sort of sprinkle onto uh, something that you're trying to get the Lord to do by saying in the name of Jesus that now he uh, answers. It's kind of the, the secret, the key that unlocks the door. That's not, that's not it. You see, names meant something, um, a little different than us today. I don't know why you're named what you're named, but a lot of us maybe don't have a significance behind our name. Maybe it's a family name, or, or maybe it's just a name your parents liked, or maybe they were just kind of needed to put something down, and so they, they went with the first thing that came to their, their mind. But a lot of us don't have a great story behind our name. These, uh, in, in, in the days of, 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 of the church, they would have had reasons for their name. Your name carried something. It carried meaning. It carried significance with who you were. It was um, uh, kind of symbolic of your character. And that's what we're getting at when we're singing songs like we sang this morning. We're singing beautiful is your name, right? How wonderful is your name, Jesus? We're not saying that the way that those five letters uh, fall together and, and make up the name Jesus, that that's beautiful. We're saying, no, the person of Jesus is beautiful because the name represents the person. It is the name of Jesus. And this man, it wasn't just upon hearing this and sort of believing in, um, in nothing. He was believing in that moment in Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Well, Peter says in verse 16 of the same chapter, he says, in his name, by faith, in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. So make no mistake, Jesus has ascended to heaven, but he is still powerfully working. And this is, this is the, the truth that we just kind of want to keep driving home, is that there is no name on heaven and earth, that is greater than the name of Jesus. No one is greater than Jesus. And we see this here. No one else can do this, right? No one else can, can make the lame walk. No one else can make the blind see. No one else can take away the sickness that we have except for Jesus. He has the power. And it says that he, he reached out his hand and he raised, raised him up. And immediately, immediately, his feet and his ankles were made strong. He was healed. And I love it. So many times, healing is the miracle of choice that Jesus used in his ministry. I mean, think about it. How many miracles can you think of and how many of them involved healing? Most of them. Not all, but most of them involved healing. Why? Why did he do that? Well, he did that because it's a picture of what is to come. What is to come. And some of us, I think we have a hard time um, 
believing in miracles. We come across this and we're like, ah, I don't, you know, I don't know. Did that, did that really happen? And, and sometimes, you know, we have a hard time believing in a God who is going to uh, break these, these rules and kind of act in this way. But, but did you hear what you just said, if that's, if that's you, right? We believe in God, but sometimes we don't believe that he can do God things. And, and we think that he has to operate within and, and by these rules that he's created. And he's outside of all of them. And so he's able to do things that you and I can't do. He's the author of the rules, and so he can break them. And so when we see these things, it comes across, and we sometimes scratch our head, and we're like, I don't know, that's just that's unnatural. But you know, I was really challenged this week. One of um, the commentaries that I was uh, spending some time in pointed out um, something that I hadn't really you know, thought of before. And I think it's a helpful thing for us to think about as we see and interact with the miracles, especially as we go through this book. It's this, so many times I think we think of miracles as being something that is a break from the natural, right? It's, it's extraordinary, it's, it's different, it's, it's, it's unnatural in what is happening here. But scripture tells us that the sickness, the death, the disease, the infirmary that we see around us and experience ourselves is not the way that God intended it, right? How did he make this world? How did he place our first parents into the world. It was a place of perfection. It was a place without disease, without death, without evil. That was the way that God intended his world to be. And it was sin, the choice of Adam and Eve, and it's our choices that, that sin entered into the world and corrupted and got into every crevice and every crack, and it seeped into our hearts, and it's here in this world, and we see the effects all around us. I think it's such a good reminder for us to know this, is that what we see is not the natural. What we actually are experiencing here is the unnatural. It's broken, it's distorted, it's twisted from what God originally designed. And what we're seeing here is a picture of God restoring and putting back that which is broken. So the way that the commentator said it was, was something like this, that, that when we see the miracles of Jesus or we see the miracles of the apostles, that's actually the most natural picture that we have of nature and order being restored, right? Like what we're experiencing, this is unnatural. What God has designed is the natural and he's putting it back. And so we get these glimpses and these pictures. That's why Jesus loved to heal is it was a looking forward to what he's going to do for every name, which everyone who calls upon his name, everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus, it's looking forward to that when he's going to heal everyone who calls upon his name. It's a picture of what is to come. And so Jesus, he certainly used miracles to authenticate and give weight to his ministry, but there's a whole lot of other things he could have done, right? Like, there's not very many showmanship sort of miracles that he did. You think about even the turning water into wine. Uh, no one even knew that he did it. Everyone was like, well, where'd that wine come from? Why didn't the host bring it out earlier? No one knew that Jesus had, had done that. When he walked on water, it, it, was, it was with his, just his disciples. They had seen him do dozens of incredible things, hundreds if not, of, of incredible things. And here he came and walked to them on the water in that storm. They saw that. But the miracle that Jesus chose to show the crowds was healing. Why? Because it points to and gives us a window into the ministry that God is doing. And that is, he's restoring that which sin has broken. Jesus is putting that 
back that which is wrong. See, when Jesus healed, which he often did, he was healing sickness, he would often forgive sins, and he was saving souls. And he liked to couple all of those together. Do you remember, do you remember when uh, those friends brought that man, another lame man, uh, to Jesus, right? And they literally took the roof off of the house and lowered him down before. And Jesus, upon looking at the man, he said, your sins are forgiven. And the leaders standing around are like, who are you? You can't do that. Only God can forgive sin. Perfect setup, right? <laughs> and he's like, oh, really? Only God can forgive sin. Well, then stand up and walk. And he showed his power and basically saying, listen, I am God. I have the power to uh, save uh, from sin. And I will show you by this physical healing what I am doing in this man's heart spiritually. And his soul was saved that day. This is the work that he is doing. And he is still healing powerfully today. The name of Jesus Christ is the name by which we find not just physical healing, but spiritual healing for our souls. In the same way that his ankles and his feet were made strong immediately, so when we call upon the name of Jesus, when we put our faith and trust in him, our dead heart is made alive. Our weakened uh, our weakened ability to um, stand against sin is resolved. Like we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit and there is strength that is given. Everything changes when we put our trust and our faith in the name of Jesus Christ. And so here's what I know. I don't know. I don't know if God is going to heal you. Um, actually, let me say it this way. I do know that God is going to heal you in the same way that he healed this man if you call upon the name of Jesus. I just don't know if it's gonna happen this side of eternity or the next. I know that there's not one person in this room who wouldn't desire it for, to be this side of eternity, right? We want the healing now. And for some, listen, he's still a God that has the same power to heal and to save. He can still heal today. And for some, he chooses to. But I promise you this, is that every name which calls upon the name of Jesus for salvation will be healed fully and completely, totally, someday. That day is coming. And so listen, church, we do not wait without hope. We do not wait without faith. We wait knowing that God will accomplish that which only God can do, and he will do it in the power of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is greater than any other name. Let's continue on in the passage, see what happens next. Verse 8, it says this, And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognizing him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Here is what we see as a result of the power of Jesus, this great name is this, is that the praise of Jesus rings prominently. The praise of Jesus rings prominently. And yes, I went ahead and alliterated all of them with P's. And some of you just got really happy with that. You just love that. And that's my little gift to you this morning on uh, this, this fall, beautiful fall, crisp fall day. Just trying to uh, 
keep us engaged. But here's the thing is that we see that the praise of Jesus rings prominently. What follows this man's miracle is the impact upon not just him, but upon all the people that see it. All the people that see it. So he began walking and praising. I mean, and he's like, hey, you guys going to the temple to pray? I'm coming with you, right? And so he, he gets up and he is walking, he's jumping, he's, he's making a scene, right? He's, he's, <laughs> he's leaping and he's praising God and everyone's like, what is going on with this guy? Like, isn't that the guy that sat down at the table? It, it sure is. It's the guy that's down at the gate, at the beautiful gate. Like, what happened to him? He's, he's jumping around and he is praising God and they are drawn toward the praise of their father. What we're gonna see here is that many, many respond as a result of this miracle. Literally thousands more are saved. In verse four of chapter four, it says, many more of those who heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. 5,000. See, this is gonna light this firestorm and, and, and the gospel is going to go out as a result of it and the people opposed to it are going to take notice And here's the thing that we have to understand is that praise is the proper response to a life transformed by Jesus. When we gather together, church, we're not just here uh, on on the morning, on on, on a day like today, seeking more from the Lord, although certainly we would love the Lord to do more, right? More, Lord, would you give us more of who you are? Would you work more powerfully? Would you show us more of what you have? Certainly we want more from the Lord, but we are not gathered primarily as that. We are gathered primarily in this place as a people who have already received something so great from Jesus that we don't want to forget and we cannot fail to praise him for what he has done. See, we sing and we praise from from a heart and from a life that has been transformed by Jesus. And so many of us, we could go around the room, could give testimony and I love hearing the stories, but so many of us could give, give, give example of the way that Jesus has miraculously and powerfully healed in your life and changed you, resurrected you, changed your heart, saved your dead soul. We can give testimony to the way that Jesus has worked and it should lead us to this place of praise. I mean, and that's what I love about being a part of a body that we call the church. This church here, I mean, our church right here, City on a Hill, where we just celebrated four years, four years as a church. And I have had a front row seat to see all the ways that God has transformed lives. And even as I look across this room and think about all the ways that God has worked, you are not, many of you are not the same person you were last year or two years ago or four years ago. And some of you, your story didn't just start here. It started years ago. And God has been transforming. Would we take stock? Would we look back and realize and be able to say, yes, God, you have moved. You have saved. You have changed me. And realize that that is the power of Jesus at work in your life, transforming you. And the more that we give ourselves to him, the more that we submit to his leadership in our life, he transforms us. And then we respond with praise. And I would just say this, is that the work of Jesus requires our response. All of us, all of us are called to respond today. And some of us, maybe we've already responded and we've, we've, we've acknowledged our need for Jesus as our Savior, but we would respond again today and just say, God, 
I praise you for who you are. I praise you for the way that you have miraculously worked and are still working. Others of you, though, we're going to see there's, there's some that they see this with wonder and amazement, and they, they begin to sort of question and, and, and disagree, and how did this come to be, and what happened? And, and some of us, maybe we're still in that place this morning. You're like, I don't know. I'm not ready to, to fully believe. And, and what I would just say to you is that the work of Jesus requires our response. He doesn't just do these things and then sort of leave it out there. He says, will you either follow or reject? Will you believe that I am who I say I am, that I am the Lord, I, I am your Savior, or will you reject me? This is going to be the, the tension that's going to come here. And, and Peter's not going to, you know, as Peter does, he's not going to leave anything out here next week. We're going to see, he stands up and he preaches again, but he's calling to this response of praise. And so what I would love for us to do is to recognize that. You know, we've talked about this in, in a couple different ways over the last several weeks, but, but as we gather together, and not just as we gather in this place, but as you are drawn to your Savior throughout the week, would it move us to this place of praise? Would praise fill our hearts and our response? Would, would we be people of praise because we are people that have been transformed by the work of Jesus? Would we invite him to continue to do that work, trusting in his timing, right? Again, some of us, we're still waiting. We're waiting. We want, it. we want more. God, would you do this now? But trusting that he is working in all situations, in all things, and he will work powerfully to bring all things together that he would receive the most glory and that the most good would be done in our life as a result of his working and our submission to him as Savior. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your perfect timing. And God, what a reminder this morning that you are not late. God, you are not asleep at the wheel, but God, you are present and powerful and working in all things. God, you are unfolding your perfect plan, not just here in the word, but in our lives now. I know at times that's hard for us to believe. Even uh, many of us in this place this morning, God would, would desire for your timing to be uh, quicker. God, now, immediate, Lord, now. How long, Lord, are we going to wait? God, how long are you going to wait to respond? Lord, we know this, that your word calls us to a greater trust, a greater hope, a greater faith that you are going to work all things out. God, that you are working all things out, even now in the waiting. And so God, help us. Help us to be a people that respond with trust, with faith, with hope, God, with patience. And God, above all things, help us to be a people that responds with praise. Jesus, we praise you. Your name is great. There's no one like you. There is no one that receives or deserves the praise that you do. Jesus, thank you for inviting us into a relationship with you. God, we're not following a set of rules or regulations. We're not even following a book. God, we're following a person, the person of your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Jesus, we follow you today. We invite you to work. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.